When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back into the Wolverine.com podcast. It's the Ballas and Skeen Show. Uh, that's Ballas and Skeen. I was going to say, wait a minute. Shouldn't that be flipped around? Maybe? I, I said that last week. I don't have any idea how that happened, but I'll take it. It's Here alphabetical. I'm- it's alphabetical. Yeah, apparently. But here I am wearing gear from home field that uh, you helped create, essentially. Big Ten 1992 Big Ten champions here. Um, we're going to talk about home field in a second. We're going to get you one of these. But, uh, man, we were in school at the same time. You were down there busting your butt, and I was in the stands avoiding all the marshmallows and stuff like that back in the day when they had them. Do you remember that? The, the marshmallows? Oh, yeah. Before? I remember that. So it's throwing in marshmallows, and I, I I never quite understood that. I didn't that either. Thing. But you no. remember, Ballas, do you remember when we were kids, the throwing of the toilet paper rolls? Yes. Yes, and it was and, awesome. It was awesome. And whatever yeah. happened to that? I think I think that Michigan fans need to bring that back. Yes, I do, too. And uh, not the marshmallows, though, man. I got No, not in- the marshmallows. Bring back when it got the toilet cold. paper streamers, man. And that was cool. Yeah. When it got cold, it was uh, man getting hit with those marshmallows, and they put nickels and stuff in them. And I'm trying to watch the damn game. You know, these kids are like, man. Anyway, uh, don't get me on my soapbox here, but uh, let's talk about home field for a second. Gear like this, uh, it's retro, man. Big Ten 1992 champions. Doug Skeen's last year of being a Big Ten champion, five in a row. We're going to bring out the rings here in a couple of weeks mm. and uh, and show those off too. But uh, home field, I want to say thanks to them. Um, Homefield is a premium college collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like this one, a growing collection of over 150 plus colleges to choose from. Of course, the only one we care about is Michigan. Um, and this is the big one here. Uh, unique designs. They've got, uh, they go into the archives and history of each school, like the big 10 champions. I'm guessing there are Rose bowl shirts out there as well. Unique logos, mascots, iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel authenticity and nostalgia of the designs perfect for showing off your team pride as college football returns here we're in week two going into week three already skiing after next week the season the regular season will be one 
quarter over, which stinks. But uh, I love my gear. Um, this is my favorite shirt because, again, I lived it, man. Um, back in the day when you guys were winning five Big Ten championships, and uh, I was getting I was getting a Big Ten championship shirt after every year. And you, it's I'm not, I'm not going to say you get bored with it, Skeen, but, man, you certainly get used to it, don't you? Well, we were we were used to it. We expected it, and we just yeah. sort of thought, I wonder what this year's Big Ten championship shirt's going to look like because we just knew <laughs> it, we knew it was going to happen. And exactly. So, unfortunately for us, it did happen, but it that did. was cool. And, and that that shirt you were showing me earlier—that's an old school design, right? With the profile of the helmet, it just brings back memories. It's pretty cool that they do that. You still have your helmet, don't you? Yeah, it's sitting right up here. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, yep. listen, uh, go to Wolver the Wolverine 23 is your promo code, and uh, it's good for 15% off any customer's first order with Homefield, homefield.com. And uh, I love it, man. Homefieldapparel.com. Homefieldapparel.com. Again, wide selection of colleges. You can always also get them as a gift for other schools. So um, just got off the golf course today, was hit bombing some drives. I couldn't uh, putt, could not hidden iron to save my life, but we'll get there. And, uh, that's why my hair looks like this. So Chris Stapleton, <laughs> you can kiss my ass. <laughs> so, can you believe a punter? A punter is giving me crap about my yes, hair. Yes. Yeah, I, I can believe that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we love Chris Stapleton. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just had to, I had to mention that. Let's talk about Michigan football. Now people are probably hearing sick of hearing me talk here, but I want to talk a little bit about this game because, you know, Stapleton, of course, was crying about the, the running game as we were sitting there texting the three of us. And and I was concerned, too, I'll be honest, because uh, we can talk about holes or, you know, not lack of big runs, whatever it is, whoever's to blame. But I wasn't seeing the push. And then we ask you and you say, you know what, it was better than last week. And quit your crying. There's uh, not a whole lot of complaint about these guys are going to clean it up. What would you see? I, I, well, listen, I don't. If people are using the standard of the last game last year against Ohio State as the new expectation that we're supposed to just rip off 70, 80 yarders uh, every other possession, that's not real. And so, you know, let's keep it a little perspective here. You've got teams that are committed to trying to stop what Michigan is stating every week they're going to do, which is run it down your throat. So I, I think just by nature, you've got defensive coordinators and UNLV was no different, playing aggressively against the run. And at times they were in our running lanes again, but at other times Corum had all kinds of room in front of him to make cuts. The only the only thing that schematically that I noticed a little bit different uh, against UNLV that maybe out of week one I saw a little more uh, zone blocking than I have in the last couple of years. Some zone some zone schemes right left, and it's fine and dandy. It's, it's it's describe that a little bit again. Zone schemes compared uh, to something yeah. Else so so do. real simple. The Michigan's base offense, which is you know, double team, go to a backside linebacker, you know, smash down the front side and pull people around. That's gap man blocking, for lack of a better term. Gap man blocking, power football, right? And you saw a lot of that. We saw the Lions do some of that against the Kansas City Chiefs very effectively, by the way. And so that's been Michigan's bread and butter the last two years, just mauling people. The curveball the last couple of years has been zone blocking, which is you don't have a man. As an offensive lineman, you come to the line. doesn't matter right right tackle all the way over to left tackle. You block a zone. You block a gap, and you block whoever shows up in it. So at the snap of the football, everybody steps to the right, and you're looking in an area, and whatever opposite color shows, you block it. And it works really, really effectively, but it's a different style of running. And the running backs are taught you have to take three steps in that direction of the zone scheme before you're allowed to look and see your seam. It could be front side yeah, if you're going to the right. 
it could be a seam where you plant your foot and you cut it backside. And then sometimes it goes all the way back. If a defensive, if the linebackers are scraping over the top heavy, the running backs are allowed to make those cuts. And zone blocking is very, very effective. We bit it, we did it, Ballas, back in the 90s so well that we got one of those t shirts you're wearing, right? We were very good at it. And the Denver Broncos back in the day really were the ones who were the blueprint for doing this, this kind of blocking. Michigan did more of that Saturday against UNLV that I had seen in a while. Corum had a lot of really nice runs with the zone blocking scheme. And yet at times there was some there was some dude still standing at the line of scrimmage. It never it doesn't seem like Donovan Edwards could really get going. But every time I see you know a guy that's you know, whether it's Edwards or Corum trying to get going in the running game, it feels like the safeties are playing up really strong, really fast. And when you're designing a run blocking play, you don't account for the safety. The running back has to make that guy miss. And so I don't, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people, you know, freaking out about Michigan's not ripping off runs like they're supposed to because we're supposed to have this wonderfully dominant offensive line. And I think it's going to get there. We're just not there yet. And so there's still a little clunkiness here and there, but I thought it was better than week one. And so I'm, I'm not hitting the alarm bells, just as a little a matter of statistics. After week two, Ballas, Michigan is 74th in the nation in rushing offense, averaging 150 and a half yards per game. Not where we thought they would be, right? So, but if next week when we talk, they get up to the two, you know, make a big stride forward and, and another one after that, another, another one after that, then that's where this team is going to get to. And I keep saying this, it takes a while for an offensive line to find its groove. And it, oftentimes it doesn't happen in September. And that's okay because we're still dominating these opponents that we're playing. And next Saturday should be no different. And so I'm not hitting any panic buttons because I did see some progress. And I asked Mike Hart, Michigan's run game coordinator and running backs coach, about it because he was sitting in for Jim Harbaugh as acting head coach in the second half. And he said, you know, Blake, too, is not being patient. He said he's not hitting the holes and he's trying to do too much on every play and go the distance on every play rather than just letting it happen like he has in the past. And he said, and he said, just be yourself, man. Just relax and, and be who you are and trust it and it will happen. But the one thing I've noticed, and, and it's usually backwards, you know, it's usually like, okay, these guys are mauling people up front in the run game, and then the pass game takes some time. But I think the pass blocking, again, has been fantastic. The way they're, you know, I, I thought UNLV, I saw a lot of three-man rush. I didn't see a whole lot of exotic twists and stuff. Did you? No, no. Okay, no, right. I didn't. Well, you know, it was an occasional blitz or two, but they really right. were dro dropping more people than they were bringing. Right. And uh, I thought the, the pass pro was nice. Nugent in the center there had a really nice couple one-on-ones where he didn't Good. need any help, even though he had help from his left guard. Mm -hmm. And so that 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 part looked pretty clean. Right. And it's usually in reverse, right? You're waiting mm -hmm. for these guys, especially a group that hasn't really played much together. And you and I go back, we'll go back to that Wisconsin game when Brandon Peters got just about killed oh. up there. And you had guys that have been playing together for a long time that were picking up the basic twists and stuff like that. These guys look like they've been playing together for a long time in that area, which is impressive to me. So kudos to Sharon Moore for that. And I do think I don't know that they get the push that they got last year in some areas, especially in short yardage. Talk, talk me to me about those. Well, well Ballas in the, in this football game, and we got down inside the five yard line of two or three times, the V in the, in the middle of that offensive mm -hmm. line, we basically just walked in the end zone. Right. Right. And it, that was like, Oh my God, is UNLV even trying there? It looked like we just rolled them out. 
Right. And so that, that looked pretty dominating to me. It did. Uh, and so, and, and, and yet there was another, there was a fourth and two where Coram didn't get the first down again. Right. And, and, you know, you, you sit there and you think, okay, well, if we can cram it in the end zone on the two yard line, why can't we do this thing, the right. same thing on the plus 32 or whatever the heck it was. So why didn't and, they? Well, why didn't they? The, the answer is real simple. If you don't get below the guy in front of you and get your shoulder pads and your hips where they belong, then they're going to beat you. Mm-hmm. And on the fourth and two, they just had more players hitting the same spot. They probably knew the play was coming. And in a perfect state, uh, as you and I have talked about before, everybody knows where the ball is going. Everybody knows the exact gap the ball is going, and yet you still execute the first down. And in that moment, Michigan did not get there. And so there's an area for improvement that Michigan's got to clean up and get better at. But I think for the most part, down inside the 10-yard line, the running game was pretty good. Yeah, I do too. And uh, Miles Hinton, your thoughts on him, his second start at right tackle. We yeah. had heard that he was going to be there. You know, we told our, our subscribers on Friday that he'd been working there all week again. And your mm-hmm. thoughts on how he played on Saturday? Saturday. I think he's better. I think okay. he's better. He didn't give up a, the bad pressures that he did the week before. I think he's coming along, getting comfortable out there. He, You know, we talked about last week, he, he had said after the opening game that he didn't feel like he played to his potential. He was a little overwhelmed in the moment, maybe. Felt like he settled down a little bit, a little bit better spots here and there as far as his position and knowing where he needs to be and his combinations and his one-on-ones and even out there on his zones. And so, um, again, it's it's a work in progress. And, and you know, he's a certainly more than capable physical guy to be in that right position spot. But he didn't play there last year next to Zinter. And he's this is only, you know, game three coming up. And in spite of the fact that he's had, you know, all the fall camp and all the reps – it's going to come along. I don't, I don't look at I don't look at Hinton over there at right tackle and go, oh, this guy can't even do it. No way. Not even close. This guy clearly can do it. And we have capable backups as well. And Trente Jones comes in there. He's played a lot of football. And so if, if Hinton's playing, that means he must be much you know better than a guy that had played a lot at right tackle in, in, in Jones. So I feel good about the right tackle position. Barnhart's all right there over at left. I like the interior of this offensive line. And so – it's going to be all right. There was a couple of leakers over on the edge. I think maybe it was second quarter. Maybe it was first quarter. Michigan's moving toward the, the north end zone. We ran a zone out there, and Cornelius Johnson went out to block a guy and just absolutely whiffed. Mm. And the corner cut right in front of him. And that's run blocking too, Ballas, right? You and mm-hmm. I don't break down the, the details of wide right. receiver run blocking, but it's, it's relative in that. You know, Cornelius had a corner playing inside eye there, and you know the sweep is coming your way. The wide zone is coming your way. He's got to sprint to the inside armpit, and he didn't. And the guy cut right across his face. There's no one else to block him, and it's no a tackle for no no gain or maybe even a loss in that play. It was just a dud. Yeah. And so that run blocking, we, we depend on those slots and wideouts. When you're zone blocking, especially if it's wide zone, you better be good out there on the edge as much as you are at the point of attack. Yeah, without a doubt. And the tight ends, too, I thought, had uh, their ups and downs again. That's an area in which they need to improve. And those are really the guys that are getting the backside guys, right? Backside, listen, on the on the zone blocking scheme, backside is just as important as front side because that running back is taught everything's open for consideration, right? And it just, it's not always going to stay front side. So if you don't get backsides uh, blocks, whether it's tight end tackle, guard, doesn't matter, if that back chooses to plant and then cut back and you didn't do your job back there, you're going to get him killed. 
So, yeah. um, and that's not always the case on the gap man power stuff. The backside block is is not really an option for a running back to be taught or is by design to go back there. So it's not as critical, I think, in zone blocking. Of course, the coach is going to tell you they're all critical, and I would agree with that. But it's not the same as zone blocking backside as it is with your gap man stuff. Yeah, there you have it. And, uh, you know, Luke Schoonmaker did a nice job blocking last year. He had some ups and downs, but he was really uh, – they really liked what they saw from him there. Colston Loveland's going to get better at that. A.J. Yeah. Barner is more than capable. Max Bredesen has had his ups and downs in the early going. So, uh, but Schoonma- trust- Schoonmaker was the best blocking tight end Michigan's had in five years. Even Eric, what about Eric All? Eric, Eric Hall, Hall I, th- I think Ballas, and, and no disrespect to Eric when he was playing here, I think Scootmaker fundamentally with his with his technique was more sound than Eric. Okay. Eric Eric would go in there and really attack guys, but his feet yeah. were a little out of control and he'd shuck off blocks too easily. Right. Whereas Scootmaker was a little more methodical about it and stuck on his blocks a little bit better. Um, so, and it's an important part when you run the, the hardball offense, your tight ends have better be able to block because you're working with tackles all the time at the point of attack on the power game, or you're the guy coming around with a pulling guard to kick a defensive end or log up inside to get a front side linebacker. And so these tight ends, uh, Loveland and the others have to be good at it. Yeah. And they will get better. I have no doubt about that. Grant Newsom working with those guys. So can you hear me? All right. This, I, you yeah. know, Okay, because I got a new microphone, just waiting on one part. I can, you can imagine who was complaining about the sound <laughs> last week as well. Yeah, it was that putter again, Chris Stapleton, your teammate, you know, who probably has a ring for this too as a punter. But uh, so, Stapes, don't worry about it. We're getting a new microphone here. Soon. I can hear you fine. All right, great. Well, that's good to know. So, um, let's talk a little bit about the passing game, man. Holy smokes, uh, JJ McCarthy has really taken his game to the next level. And one thing that you notice more than anything, and and we look at these games as against these overmatched opponents and you say, what can you take from this? And, you know, so on and so forth. And it, they're just dominating because they're so bad. But the ball placement on his passes, two things with him, that he is always looking downfield when he's moving. The way that he's moving in the pocket and keeping his eyes downfield is remarkable, number one. Number two, where that ball is, and I asked Roman Wilson about that in the postgame yesterday, Michigan's senior receiver, and he said, it's perfect, man. I, I don't know what else to say about it, but mm-hmm. you look up there, and that ball is right there in stride, and I cannot tell you how important that is, obviously, when it uh, comes to yards after catch and yeah. a 47-yard touchdown. If it's a yard behind him, that defender has a chance to maybe close on him. Instead, Roman Wilson catches in stride and he's gone. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's this. These are the luxuries of having a stud quarterback in there. You talked about moving around in the pocket and keeping the eyes downfield. That is a a, a an indicator of his absolute trust and his pass protection. And you can lose that trust if you get a quarterback killed a time or two and get his head knocked off. But right now. JJ's feeling like he absolutely feels it in there. He's moving around, looking for his options, delivering strikes either on the run or from a pocket position, delivering really strong footballs for his guys to catch. It's a it's a luxury position for sure, and this is this is what we'd hope to see for him to take the next step in a more aggressive passing attack. And yes, it's a legitimate concern to say the opponents we played so far. Uh, not the greatest in the country, and, and we're certainly going to see better. But what more can you ask of these guys? And so they're running good routes. They're getting separation. And J.J.'s delivering strikes down there as the television guys, you know, is throwing darts and, you know, kind of looks like a video game. And, and at, at times when they were only bringing a three-man rush, it is a seven-on-seven drill for a kid like him just standing there because it's, you know, five-on-three he's going to have all day. 
but he didn't have to take all day to throw really good passes. And so this is all good stuff uh, from the passing game. Again, another week toward what we needed to see was this balance. And here's another stat for you, Ballas. Michigan is ranked number 31 in the nation in total passing offense as of week two at 296 and a half yards per game through the air. And guess and what? That's in three quarters, essentially, because in the fourth quarter, they're basically running out the clock with the backups and not getting yeah. much of a chance. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you're right. They pulled they pulled and put the second string guys in there at the end of the third quarter to let the other guys play, which is really cool to see. And so I I feel like this offense is on schedule. You know, I, I, we talk about how we want them to be top 10 in both of the major categories. They're not there yet. All the parts and pieces are there. The flashes are there. And, and here's another newsflash. If we get it to the end of October and we're still undefeated and we've gone in and beaten Penn State and the other difficult games we're going to have ahead, um, and, and we're not in the top 10 in passing offense and not in the top 10 in, in rushing offense, I'll still take the W. Yeah, you think? It's kind of like everybody's <laughs> making fun of Cade McNamara at Iowa today, you know, and it's like, oh, he only completed this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, he won 20 to 13 against a rival. And I think that's the most important thing. And uh, yeah. so, and JJ McCarthy last year, he said the same thing. That's what I love about him. Last year, he wasn't complaining at all when they were running for three or 400 yards and he's throwing <laughs> for 150. He's like, don't care. Mulling people up front. Now, this year, you know what? It's been reversed and yeah. they are relying on him. And yeah. he said, hey, and somebody asked him in the press conference, they said, you know, what's going to happen if they, you know, decide to take away the pass? He goes, then guess what? We're going to run the ball. And that's my question for you, though, now. Yeah. What happens if Michigan gets to a point where they have a defense that can play them straight up against the run? And um, you know what? They don't have to take one away or the other. Do you see that as an, as do you anticipate that being an issue against any of the opponents on this schedule? Well, that's going to happen. That's mm -hmm. going to happen on this schedule. Someone's going to be able to play you against a run tough, and they're not going to have to bring people to do it. And then you're going to have to have better routes, better separation, and perfectly timed and, and delivered footballs, and you're going to have to catch the football. And so the fundamentals just get a little more tighter, and the urgency goes up a little bit more. But this team's fairly capable of doing it. It's going to happen, there's no doubt. Yeah, Tyler Morris looked good, the young receiver, and he was my pick for breakout player of the year on offense. And after week one, when he was playing sparingly, I thought maybe that was a bad pick, you know, but we'd heard such great things about him. But really looked good running routes, and I liked him back there on punt return too. Did you uh, – your thoughts on him? Yeah, this, so so again, it, it makes me think of uh, who's the next guy going to step up, right? And, and, and a good pick for you so far, Ballas, is a breakout mm -hmm. player coming out of this of this early season here. So you see young guys doing this against these two first two opponents that we've had, East Carolina, UNLV. You go, okay, cool. And we all kind of go, all right, but what is he going to do when we get to this game? Right. And we always have this glass half empty sort of thing. And I think it's, you know, as, as coaches, I guarantee those coaches are telling them, I don't care who we're playing. That's a good job. You're doing a nice job. You're doing exactly what has to be done. And we're going to line up next week against another team with a different color uniform. And eventually we'll get to Penn State. and You'll be able to do it on a bigger stage with a more legit opponent. And that'll all come in time. But, hey, I'm glad they're doing it now. And young guys like him are going to play an important role down the road for sure. They are, and uh, been been fun watching him progress. And again, I love this punt return. I, you know, Jake Thaw back there. We'll see what happens. But Tyler Morris showed something on a twenty-four yard return that got called back. That yeah. uh, some explosion around. Well, you want that? Right? Yeah. The, the 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 one thing that you know, the first possession that we had going back to the East Carolina game. That when I look for a punt return, catch the football. Just right. catch the football. Do not let it run another 10, 15, 20 yards on the ground. Catch the football. I will so. say this, though, Skeen, I'm watching these. 
three of them that have, were absolutely shanks. I, he really had no chance to go get yeah. that ball. So no, in I understand. Yep. So I understand, but you yep. know, the, the, and the coaches do everything they can. I know Harbaugh does a nice job with his special teams and getting those guys in the right spot to, based on the on the scouting, to know where the football is going to go. Uh, but you got to have a guy back there that can cover some ground and get that football yep. secured to save some yardage. Yeah, let's talk about the defense now, man, and those guys up front. Kenneth Grant is an absolute monster. And yeah, I, don't know, I, I was, wa- I was watching him, especially a little bit there. I was like, I was, I was thinking to myself because I had some tied up t- shots of him yeah. on the TV copy. I'm like, I can't imagine having to block that dude. Just, yeah, you know. I was, was going to ask you, did you ever have a guy like that in college? I know you did in the pros. Uh, yeah, the pros, the pros certainly, you know, but in college, um, you know, Mike Teeter. You know, is, is maybe not the tallest of guys, but strong mm-hmm. as an ox and hard to move. And, you know, Grant's a wide body guy in there and he plays the zero shade and the three. And I was just imagining, you know, in practice, the, you know, Zinter and Keegan and Nugent there working against this guy all the time as your base block. You got to root him out of there first. Yeah. And that would be a difficult challenge because that's a strong big man there in the middle. And yet he moves pretty well. And so he's getting around, making some plays. And so, uh, you know, the defensive line coming around. McGregor made a really nice play on that wide sweep there. We got off the, and sliced. They were zone blocking there. He cut the inside slice. The left guard did not get to him, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do and get over there and make that nice play. So it was cool to see him make a play. And, of course, Jenkins disrupting people in there. The defensive line is coming around, and, and again, they're right where we thought they should be. And so – I'm comfortable with where we're at right now, Bats. I'm, I'm beyond comfortable. They had five. I know. I'm not, I, you don't see any pictures of blue Kool Aid <laughs> sitting around here. They're all right here, man. I'm comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm happy about it. And, and watching even in the first week, oh, they didn't have any sacks. What's going on with these guys? And I'm like, hey, that was two step drops, and the ball was out. They were in the backfield, and on Saturday forcing UNLV to hold the ball a little bit more, despite having three starters out in the secondary. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. And uh, some good downfield coverage. And those guys were getting home. Kenneth Grant. They were getting, I was going to say, they were getting home off the edge too. Yes, they were. Jalen Harrell and uh, Braden McGregor. So Derek Moore looked like he was shot out of a cannon. Yeah, Derek Moore off the edge a couple times. A couple times he did not get the sack. And I've, I've told you this for years. You don't always have to get the sack to fry a quarterback's brain. When he when he releases the football and then gets drilled, he yeah. knows subconsciously that, man, oh, God, man, these guys are going to get me killed here. I need to get rid of yeah. the ball faster next time. I don't have time to get through my progression. It changes a quarterback's point of view back there for a good way for us. Yeah, no, no doubt. So, but Kenneth Grant, man, I've got to tell you, he looks like it looks like bear mauling videos when he's tackling somebody. It's unbelievable. This guy yeah. is fast as fast as he is, and they use him on twists at times. And yeah. I'm like, okay, how you when you can use a 345 pound lineman on a twist and and rely on him to get home, that's pretty special. So I'm loving what I'm seeing from this kid. Mason Graham is always going to be underrated in my opinion because he's just you can't move him in there, yeah. but he's just so valuable stopping the run. Yeah, so again, you know, if you got Grant on one side and Graham on the other, good luck double teaming either one of them and getting mm-hmm. them out of there because obviously Graham is the the wrestling guy and he just uses his leverage. He's just a dude, you know. It's like you know, you know, he reminds me of Ballas. I'm going to go way back here. Mm-hmm. He reminds me of a very young Randy White. Wow, Dallas Cowboys, right? Yeah, and and but it, and Randy White probably a little bit faster than than Graham is, and because because White could fly, uh, but. Just a strong dude in there, just a naturally gifted athlete in there that just you can't move him. And so yeah. those two, Grant and and Graham in the middle, 
I just can't imagine what the old full line drill would be like trying to root those guys out after, you know, 12, 15 snaps. So yeah. it's a, it's a luxury to have. And, and the luxury is junior Colson being able to run free in the middle because you got those two guys absorbing those combo blocks and on passing downs, when they do run twists, they're going to, they're going to grab, you know, at one lineman and take the hip of the next and try to disrupt things. Then you bring your speedy guy around the edge. It's not always a 355 pound dude, maybe not as fast as your speedier guy. And Michigan was doing some of that. They ran a triple twist the other day. Well, they ran a tackle nose end all the way around where they brought uh, Jenkins around the edge, and he didn't quite get there. The ball was gone already. But they're doing some things. I saw a little bit more out of that defensive line than I did in week one, and it's coming along. Yeah, it's really good, frankly, is what I will say. And kids, we will have 8-millimeter black and white film of Randy White here in a couple of weeks if we can find it in the archives. Hey, go, uh, yeah, kids, go watch go watch some ESPN special on that dude. I mean, I, for, yeah. me to, for me to compare uh, uh, Graham to Randy White, I think it's, it's a big deal. It's Yeah, it's a big deal. Yep, so uh, let's talk a little bit now about the upcoming opponent, uh, Bowling Green, you know what, uh, night game, and – I, you know, let's not really talk about it, but let's just talk about the, the non-conference slate and and what it can prepare you for, even knowing how overmatched an opponent is, Skeen. Uh, I think Rutgers is going to tell us a little bit more. They're playing pretty decent football at times here. But uh, what can you really learn against opponents like this? You know, didn't we go through this last year, Ballas, yeah. in September? It's just, it's just, you know, the, here's the expectation. you got to do what's expected of you. you got to work as, as a lineman, D-lineman, corner safety running back doesn't matter what it is you could we can all watch the game and go oh that wasn't so pretty that needs to be better right that needs to be better when we play the better teams down the road and so that's what you do in these games first of all it's they're, they're keeping real score it goes in your schedule forever it counts in the big picture of things but if you're if you're you know Zinter or Keegan and you're a veteran guy and you're going all right we got Bowling Green it's cool what are we going to work on this week and it's you, know, you, you dive into the film you go back to how goes your footwork and all the other technical things that you look at week in week out and you know all right I got another chance here to go and, and execute and get better against a team that we should absolutely handle and you turn on their game film I'm sure the Michigan guys are watching Bowling Green film today going yep I'm going to absolutely block that guy with ease um, because he's just, you know, he's not on our level and we're going to take care of this. And I'm not saying, you know, certainly that these young men are saying that, but this is having been there, done that. I can remember watching film, sitting there with Steve and Joe, Cucuzzo and Everett. And we're going, yeah, yeah, okay. How many times are we going to put this guy in the ground? How many times are we going to do this? But you still have to go out and execute. You still have to go out and do the things that are supposed to uh, happen with your feet and your hands and your eyes. And then you can work on the fun stuff, which is getting knockdowns and pancakes, because I know you know that stuff all gets tracked too for fun stuff inside the offensive line room. So, it's, but it's all about fundamentals, Ballas. It's you just have to do what's expected of you, no matter who they line up, and that's what I was expect. I would I would absolutely expect that this Saturday. Yeah, and I want to see them rush uh, for you know two hundred yards. I want to see some more of those long runs. I want to see they haven't taken any downfield shots yet either. That's the interesting part about this. And in fact, the routes I haven't seen a whole lot of fly routes, things like that, where they've tried to throw over the top. So I imagine that's another part of the playbook. It, it, it's in there somewhere, but I'm mm -hmm. all right with I'm all right sure. with crossing stuff between the hashes. And it, it, remember the years? How many years ballast did we watch Michigan offenses and we didn't hardly ever see a pass between the hash marks? Right, because we didn't have a kid back there that could do it that could confidently throw over the middle linebacker and yet in front of the safety and drop it into a box 
And so, wow, now we can do these things. It's been a while. So this is cool stuff. Do I think the fly routes are in there? Yeah, but we don't need to do that. I'm, I'm all right working on the second level passing stuff. And, I, and, and going back to what you said about Coach Hart talking about his running backs there, I think Donovan Edwards, you talk about a guy that's pressing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I saw him make a couple bad cuts, and it's like, dude, your blocker was right there. Why'd you go outside? Your cut was inside. And it's like maybe right. he's trying a little bit too hard to try to you know, you know, know, live up to his own expectations, which I'm sure are very, very high. And yeah. so, uh, again, in time, I believe this will all come together, and we'll be talking about the bigger victories against bigger opponents when we get into October. I did like seeing Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards on the field at the same time quite a bit, sometimes in the same backfield, sometimes with one or the other ones split out into the slot. So that stresses the defense a little bit more. So and these guys will get their touches. You just got to hope that they're patient. And the good news is they always say the right things about, you know what, I don't care if I get mine, you know, as long as the team wins, so on and so forth. But kids, they still want to get theirs eventually at times. There's no question (laughs) about it. You don't want to rush 10 times for 10 yards, obviously, when you're auditioning for, for the NFL. Yeah, no, it, it, you certainly don't. And a testament to them for saying the right things publicly. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee these these guys are all alpha dogs, Ballas. You know right. that they all want to be the man, and um, they put more pressure on themselves than you and I or any other talking head could possibly do. And they just want to do it sometimes too bad. And and when you stress yourself too much, you start gripping too hard. You start stressing, you know, and, and putting unrealistic expectations. You forget about the fundamentals. You think, oh, my God, I have to be great today. And you're not thinking, all right, what do I need to look at? And where's my foot need to go in order for me to be great? Yeah, let's talk about not having the head coach there, Jim Harbaugh. And that matters, right? Isn't he seeing some things maybe in the run game where he can say, hey, maybe let's try this or something like that? Because I know in speaking to some of the assistant coaches in the past, some of the players in the past, Jim Harbaugh is saying, look, if maybe we do this to the safety and block him this way, that's going to open something up. So, I mean, that's got to count for something, right? Well, I I absolutely think it does. It it counts anything just for the camaraderie in the building. You know, your head coach plays such an important role in just the daily life of a football team, and to not have him around is going to have a negative impact. And so you're talking about the X's and O's part, and absolutely, there's a reason that he's a successful head coach. He can see things. Right. Maybe he can maybe he can say different things to the running backs, and maybe he has a different way of delivering a message. And you just get that that diversity of opinion from your coaching staff and. If he's not around to talk to you about it on game day, then it is a missing element. And it probably does have an impact, but not so much of one that this team hasn't been able to roll these opponents. And it's not going to be any different this Saturday against Bowling Green. Yeah, it's not. And Rutgers, again, Rutgers has played Michigan tough here the last couple of years, at least for the half first half of last year's game. And then the entire game the year before, Greg Schiano's a good football coach. He's a good we'll, football coach. Yep. He is. Yep. So yep. we'll have a, we'll have some things to talk about there. So let's talk about some things around the Big Ten right now. Have you heard anything interesting this weekend about anything <laughs> going anywhere? Hey, anywhere? I got to tell you, man, uh, uh, beautiful Sunday here in Michigan. I uh, got out and my wife and I went for a mountain bike ride up north and it was a great day and just to try to enjoy the day and a nice drive home from up north and before we leave up north, a friend of ours goes, did you hear what happened to Coach Tucker at Michigan State? I'm like, uh, no. Yeah, and then it got explained to me, and I was just stunned. Just like, yeah. what? What? Are you serious? Huh? At that school, of all the schools where you can't have any more sexual misconduct, not that it's acceptable at any school because it's not, but at that school, that's the last place that can happen. As soon as I read these the the comments from him, where he basically admitted it, I'm like, "You got to go. You're out, yeah. dude. You cannot 
be the leader of young men, knowing now what you've admitted to publicly and all the negative things that come along with it, you can't lead that team anymore. you got to go. Yeah, and he was suspended without pay. Uh, that wasn't what I was talking I just wanted to talk football. I don't know where that came from. But, <laughs> all right, I'm just joking. But uh, it is a distraction. There's no question about it. And that Washington game, you got a big game coming up. And it is interesting, right, that they wait until the news breaks in the paper and they've known about this for months before they decide to suspend this guy without pay. It makes no sense to me. It just doesn't – I don't understand that. So, uh, Well, you're talking, you know, probably the risk management lawyers get involved and figure out how to handle this, and you got the public relations and the damage control people. Who knows? None of it makes any sense to me. No. I look at this and I go, okay, you know, college coaches, whether they're football or basketball or women's softball, it doesn't matter who it is, all these parents – have entrusted these men and women to lead their children and develop them as young men and women. And when you do these kinds of things, you've turned in your card. You can't do that anymore. You got to go. So coach Tucker, you're out. You got to go. Yep. And And I I would say the same thing. If it were Jim Harbaugh, you can't do these things and lead young men. Yep, I would agree with that 100%. So uh, Michigan State looked fine against Richmond. They can't run the ball still. They're really not the threat, obviously, in the Big Ten East. I think they're going to be battling with Rutgers, Indiana. Um, You know, Maryland had some issues with Biff Pogey in Charlotte early on in that game before rallying. So I love Biff Pogey. I think he's going to do really nice things there. So, But Penn State, to me, you know what? They play Delaware. Not a good football team. But Penn State, to me, is one of those where – I think they are exactly what I thought they were going to be this year. I thought they would take a step forward and they found a quarterback. So, well, that could be so yeah. So Penn state, you know, I look, I look at the Penn state football team and I say to myself, that's a team with a lot of really good football players, but they still have Franklin as a head coach. And that's a negative in my mind. Cause I don't think he's a good game day coach. I don't no, think I don't he either. is. And I got a lot of Penn state friends that agree with me. And so it, as long as he's the head coach, we got a chance on game day where he's going to make an, really bad decision or two in the opponent's favor, which will be us when we get out there. Yep. Ohio State. Did you watch any of that Youngstown game? That was kind I of did a- not see any of the Buckeyes play. And I, and I got okay. some Buckeye fans again. They're all in panic mode. I'm like, hey, here's a newsflash. You guys are going to be good by the end of November. So just right. pump the brakes on your panic. It's going to be okay. Yep. Wisconsin goes out and loses at Washington State. So yeah. Cade McNamara uh, and Iowa beat Iowa State. So, yeah, you know what? Things are going to get sorted out. But the one I'm really pointing to, and we'll end on this, is that Notre Dame-Ohio State game here in uh, a couple of weeks. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be telling for both schools. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a battle up there in South Bend. Yeah, that, that, I look forward to watching that one. Uh, two teams that I wish could both lose on the same day, but they can't. <laughs> but um, I'll, It'll be fascinating. And I, I told my Buckeye friends, I'm like, that's probably the first one that you can put some measurement on. And, and really figure out whether you've got problems or not. Uh, but these other teams that you guys are playing, you, you can't put any stock in that. You just can't. I, I don't think you can, and I wouldn't. And it just is like I'm not putting a ton of stock in, in our performances in these first two games. But when the quality of the opponent goes up and you get into week three or four and certainly beyond in a college football season, now things should be tighter. Things yeah. should be better. They should be, you know, the, the mistakes should be eliminated. So if we're still repeating the same concerns in October – um, now we're going to have a different set of discussions. Yeah, without a doubt. Doug Skeen, um, thanks again. It's funny. I was getting in the elevator going on the, up to the press box, press level, and some guy saw me and he saw my tag. It was, hey, Chris Bellis, don't you do that podcast with Doug Skeen? <laughs> like, yeah, my name is yeah. first, buddy. <laughs> my name is first. So, But people know you, people remember you, people respect you, and uh, I appreciate you having us, uh, having you here to uh, to break it down for us. So, And again, uh, Home Field Apparel, folks, 
Wolverine 23 is the code for 15% off your first purchase. Doesn't just have to be Michigan gear, but this is the best gear in my opinion. You see the helmet, 1992 Big Ten Champions. Skeen yours is on the way and a double X. So, you know what? Uh, hit that Peloton if you've been. <laughs> and uh, we we'll we'll get work you on it. Absolutely. And we appreciate it. So, we will talk to you next week. And uh, thanks, brother. All right, man. Go blue. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.